The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome into the Otson Audibles podcast. Matt Pray, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on the show. Welcome to your weekend edition uh, of the Otson Audibles podcast. And it's a kind of a season preview. We're going to make some picks. We're going to make some predictions uh, Jared's come up with uh, a stock buying selling game that we're going to implement throughout the entire season. So we're going to make some purchases on uh, some guys stocks that we feel like are going to be a lot more expensive down the road, kind of a projection of who we think could be some of the better players on this team or undervalued players on this team. Um, let's start off first guys with the, Offensive MVP. We're going to run through offensive MVP plus some rushing leader predictions, some yard reception leader predictions, um, defensive MVP, and then tackles and sacks leader predictions. I think all of us are kind of in agreement. We think Bo Nix is going to be the starting quarterback. Um, so I think that kind of nullifies passing touchdowns and it'd be the same thing everywhere. Uh, but out, offensive MVP. I've, I've gone back and forth on this one. I'm not really sure if I wanted to do a running back. Uh, and but the reason why I didn't is because I just don't know who's going to be the star running back of the group. So I went with Bo Nix as the offensive MVP. Um, it's kind of a quarterback award unless you have just an amazing standout guy at receiver or at running back. And I just can't pick one guy to just be an all-American player at either position. Rushing leader, um, I'm going with uh, Marquise Irving. I, I think he's going to to be the leader of the pack here, the Minnesota transfer receiving yards leader. Maybe I'm old school and I'm going Chris Hudson, most experienced guy on the team at Oregon. Um, people have said he's the best receiver, most consistent receiver. I, I don't think he has the highest ceiling of the group, but I think early on he might be the, the go-to guy and rack up a lot of yards to kind of carry himself the rest of the season. You know, this is hard. The, um, the offensive MVP one's really tough for me. I yes. think in part because I, I'm with you, Matt. I think it's by committee. So I don't think anyone's going to run for more than maybe – maybe somebody gets to 1,000 yards, but there's not going to be, I don't think, a 12, 1,500-yard rusher. So I don't. I think that's off the table. Um, I'm going to go with the receiver, which is probably a little bit counterintuitive, but I'm just kind of – we'll get into some of, like, some of this in the stock game later, but I just think that there's a possibility that – you know, there's a guy or two who could have a really big season. And I also think while, you know, if, if we're looking at how typical voting on MVPs, like in a conference or national awards goes, yes, of course, the quarterback's always the guy. But I think for Bo Nix to get to his best, he's going to need someone to step up. And I think you look at his time at Auburn, I don't want to say that he didn't have talent around him, 
but I don't know if he was always helped by his receivers the way he needed to yeah. be to maximize himself for the offense. So I'm going to go with the receiver, and I'm going to go with Troy Franklin. Um, I'm, I'm settling on this because I think he is an extremely high upside player. It's his sophomore season. Usually that's when you see that big jump, freshman to sophomore year. He's going to have a huge amount of opportunity. He is the team's ex receiver. Um, I don't know if he had, I think his competitions like Caleb Chapman and maybe Justice Lowe. I don't know if like he's really, really going to be challenged for reps. So I think he'll play a ton. Um, I also think, you know, Hudson's maybe the most consistent guy behind the scenes. What Lanning has said and what Junior Adams has said is Franklin's been maybe the most consistent guy at practice this fall. So I like Chris Hudson here. Obviously, that kind of burns my receiver leader list because it'd be weird to pick somebody who wasn't my uh, receiver leader as my MVP. So I'm also saying Franklin's the receiver leader, just to make that clear. Because um, <laughs> it'd be weird if I was like, yeah, he's the offensive MVP, but he's not going to lead the team in any of the stats. That would be strange. Um Rushing leader, I'm going to go against the grain a little bit and go with uh, No Whittington. I, I still think he's I, – I, I think we might – none of us might pick Byron Cardwell, which is going to drive some of the listeners nuts. Um, I just foresee a situation where his experience with um, Carlos Lachlan, the running backs coach, will be really beneficial for him and where he early on in the season is relied upon. I don't know if that will be the case route maybe we'll see a situation where he kind of loses out on some of those reps but I, I, I anticipate he'll be at least early on the guy that maybe receives the, the most amount of snaps and that might change but I just have heard so many positive things about both the running back transfers um, but Whittington was here in the spring and, and frankly I heard a lot of really positive things about his spring so uh, I'm going with Whittington as my rushing leader Franklin my receiving leader and offensive MVP and my offensive MVP yes yeah please uh, offensive MVP for me, I'm going just straight curtains. I'm going Bo Nix. I think that's the obvious pick here. Uh, there is, there's a lot of talent on this Oregon offense, but there is not a lot of proven talent, and we'll get to that later in our stock game. Uh, Bo Nix is probably one of the only proven guys, unless you want to count Chase Coder, Caleb Chapman, um, because those those three have played in the most amount of games. So I'm going with Bo Nix. I think he's the clear, clear-cut candidate. He's probably like the the – the smallest odds and to win this, but um, I think he's he's the obvious pick here, and I'm going to go with it. Uh, rushing leader uh, this is a tough one. I'm not picking Byron Cardwell, for, so for those of you who were expecting that answer, uh, sorry, none of us are picking Byron Cardwell, but I'm going with Bucky Irving like Matt is. Uh, I think Whittington and, and Bucky are going to be probably the one and two guys off to, to, to maybe start the season. You have Sean Dollars and Cardwell as well. But I like Bucky Irving. I like his game. Um, he's one of – I think he's actually the most experienced running back in this room. Yeah, I think he's played in the most amount of games and has the most amount of career yards, um, which isn't a lot, let's be clear. But I do think that that does help. Um, I think he's – you know, he was just, just as highly rated of a commit as Cardwell, a little bit lower, but still a four-star recruit. He's still got all the talent in the world. Um, so I'm going to go with Bucky Carwell with the rushing leader and then uh, receiving leader. Surprise, the name hasn't come up yet, but um, Dante Thornton. I'm going with Dante Thornton as my re receiving leader. Um, I just think that he's got the biggest ceiling of anybody on this roster from a receiver standpoint. Uh, I think his size, length, and frame is going to really help him. Uh, I think learning from Caleb Chapman is actually going to, to going to help him a long way as well. Um I'm just really excited to watch him watch him play, uh, and I I really think that he and he and Troy Franklin. I don't 
I wouldn't care if either of them led the, led the way. My pick is Dante, but if one of those guys is leading the receiving leaders, I think that's a really good sign for Oregon moving forward. All right, defensive side of the ball here. Um, this could be hard because yeah. there's some guys that you automatically just go, this is him. It, it's it's Noah Sewell. He's been the MVP the last two seasons. Please, it's uh, him. Him, him. <laughs> him, yeah. Segue right into the next guy. Yep. Segue into the next guy, Justin Flo, who has come up with the uh, him moniker or character. I don't know if, how we want to describe it. Alter uh, ego. Alter ego. Um, he is him. That's is that what it, it is? Real quick, is yeah. that his his philosophy? Yeah, basically. Is, yeah, He's he him. is him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it could be Justin Flo because, I mean, when you when you watch one game of what he did last season, he was the best player on the field ahead of Sewell. Um, but I'm I'm landing with Sewell, or it could be Dorless too, who's been called the alpha of this team. Christian Gonzalez is a first-round projected draft pick. Um, so I think that's another guy that can maybe be a sneaky pick. They've got options on the defensive side, but I'm I'm going with Sewell. I'm going with availability as your best ability. Um, he is basically Hulk, never gets hurt. It, it's it's kind of comical. Like we joke about this last year, he gets dragged off the field, and two plays later, he's back out there, heat seeking missile. So I'm going Noah Sewell as the defensive MVP. Who leads the team in tackles? Justin Flo. I think Justin Flo will lead the team in tackles. And then who leads the team in sacks? Uh, I'm going with DJ Johnson. I, I, I think that's the obvious pick, but I think he's the most obvious pass rush specialist that they have. And and maybe it it frees up a Swinson or a Funa or a Buckner or somebody else, Trevor Ma'ai, to kind of sneak in and steal a bunch with one-on-one coverage. But I'm just going to go – I'm going DJ because he's – I think he's the, the the most consistent guy of this group. This is this is tough um, to pick the defensive MVP in particular because like, like my gut wants to. I'm, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna pick somebody who I wasn't planning on picking because I just the more I think about it, the way the perception's gonna go. Because I really wanted to pick Christian Gonzalez because I think he's like super talented, um, and I think a big part of this team's. I'll just do it because here's here's my logic for it. I'll, I'll lay it out. And it, even though I'm very conflicted because I do think one of the linebackers will quote unquote have a bigger role and probably be recognized a little bit better. But sure, I, here here's here's the case for like a Christian Gonzalez. I, I think the secondary is clearly the biggest concern on the team, and I think if this team is going to reach its defensive ceiling, it's got to be they've got some players have to really step up in the secondary, and I'm concerned about some of the players in that secondary. Um, Triquez has been a kind of a spot guy. Dante Manning's been kind of a spot guy. Both have had nice moments. Both have had not nice moments. I think you can say the same thing about basically everyone in the secondary. Um, Bennett Williams was great last year, but it was a really small sample size. Jamal Hill was pretty up and down a year ago. Um, and obviously Steve Stevens and Brian Addison, that to me are both pretty big question marks. So I think for the defense to really have some success against the pass, somebody really needs to step up. And I think Gonzalez is clearly the most talented of this group. So I'm going to go with him despite probably sensing that big picture. People are going to pay a lot more attention to Sewell, Dorless, and Flo because those are kind of the sexier names, quote unquote. Um, 
But I think Gonzalez's role might be even a little bit more valuable and a little more important. And, and the reason I hesitate to pick him is because this is a stats award and or a lot of times, and I don't know how much he's going to be thrown at because I think he's going to be that good in coverage. So I think it's going to be a thing where you go, well, he was only like eighth on the team in tackles and he only had four pass breakups, blah, 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 blah. I don't know, whatever it ends up being. Like, was he that impactful? But it's like he absolutely was because he'd locked down his side of the field or his, his matchup. So there's my case for Christian Gonzalez, despite serious hesitancy on the, fly, on the spot there to, to actually pull the trigger. Um, tackles leader. I'm going to go with Noah Sewell. Uh, I think it's tough between Sewell and Full. You've got two really good picks. Again, these are not easy choices across the board. Defense is, I think, harder than – I think actually all three all three on offense, all three on defense are kind of tough, if we're being honest here. There's not a lot of like layup picks. You know, It wasn't like it was a year ago where you could easily pick Kayvon Thibodeau as your sacks guy. Um, I'll get there in a moment. But like these are tough. I think Sewell is the most productive um, from an historical perspective. Um, I think – you know, again, we'll get to stock game later. He is not a volatile stock. He's like, you know, quote unquote, like a, what do you call it? A blue blood stock. He's blue reliable, chip. blue chip stock, right? He's reliable. He's got a great history um, of, of just being productive. So I'm going to go with him for tackles because he's led the team in tackles the last two years. Sacks, I'm also going to go with DJ. Um, Doralist would be the other one, but I just think in today's modern football, you see guys off the edge as stand up, standing edge rushers typically have a little bit more production than players with a hand in the dirt. So I'm going to go with DJ. So, uh, yeah, there's there's my spot. I don't know if I feel great about any of it because I think there's a lot of good choices for, for most of these. Are we doing uh, interception leaders as well? Uh, no, I think, we, I think we said no on that one. No. Deal. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is a tough one. Defensive MVP is, I don't know, I feel like it could be, like like you guys have mentioned, I feel like it could be four or five different players. Um, but I, I think, I don't know, this is this is how I kind of envision it going. I, I'm going to pick Justin Flo as my defensive MVP. Um, he's a little you ball. You have to. Me? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, I've been on the hype train this entire offseason. I'm, I'm glad people are finally coming along and, and sitting on the train with me. Um I think that his play is going to really encapsulate an audience and really bring them in because of how miserable at points linebacking play was last season. I think the fact that he's going to be there and as long as he's healthy, which is no guarantee as we've seen the first two years of his career, yes, knock on wood, everybody. Um, you know, that, that was no guarantee the first two years of his career, but I think this season, now that he says he's full go, Dan Lanning says he's full go, Tosh Lupoy says he's full go. I think him and Sewell combined on the field is just going to be something else. But I think Justin Flo is going to get the defensive MVP nod just because of the type of player that he is and the type of physicality he plays with, the flair that he plays with, the passion that he plays with. I think he's just going to be – he might not be the best player on Oregon's defense next year. It might be Sewell. It might be Christian Gonzalez, just in terms of a talent standpoint and potentially an NFL outlook. But he's going to be the MVP because I think he's going to bring this group together and kind of raise hell out there when he's on the field. Um, tackles leader, not Dustin Flo. I'm going with Noah Sewell. I think Noah Sewell is just like he's he's a, like a blue-collar worker. He checks in. He clocks in 8 a.m., leaves at 5 p.m., He's just a dude who's going to go out there on the field and get you eight to 12 tackles every single day. And I, I just think that there's going to be instances where Flo um, 
I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to do this at one point during the season, but set an over under on how many times Justin Flo might be ejected. So I was I'm betting that there's a couple games where he might get tossed early, and Noah Sewell is going to suddenly rack up a lot more tackles than him. So he's yeah, he's easily my tackles leader. I think if Flo stays in every game and is healthy, blah blah blah, I think that's going to be a really fun competition to watch. But Sewell is like a guaranteed. You know, if they're playing the full. 12 to 13 games in a season, unlike the 2020 season. Um, I think he's like a guaranteed 100 and 105, 110 tackle season. And I think he's potentially only going to get better going into his third season. Uh, Sacks leader. That's a tough one. I, I think DJ Johnson is probably the favorite, but he's another guy that's relatively unproven. Um, we'll get to that later in our, in our stock game, but you know, did, to say that he's going to lead the team in sacks is, I, I think it's wishful thinking at some points, just like it would be with Braden Swinson. I think if I had to take the safest pick here, I'd have to go Brandon Dorless. And I think that if he's playing off the edge or as a defensive end more than an interior guy like he was the last season, I think that provides him a better opportunity with this new and improved defensive line. Um but usually, yeah, an edge guy would be best. I think a sneaky snack leader is actually a linebacker, like Justin Flo or Noah Sewell to come in off the top. Um, but I'll go Brandon Dorless for my sack leader. Um, I don't think it'll be a lot of sacks. I think this this team will produce pressure by committee. Uh, I don't think it'll be like a Kayvon Thibodeau, like Eric said, is like, hey, that's guaranteed your your dude who's going to lead the, lead the team in sacks. I think this is going to be by committee by linebacker, cornerbacks, whatever the case may be of uh, simulating pressure. And I, but I do think Brandon Dorless will be your defensive line guy. I think he'll be it. I, by the way, just to, just to put a bow on that before we jump to season picks, I, I could see the sack leader being somebody with like five to seven sacks. Yes. Yeah, I don't think it'll be like – I don't 12, think it's yeah. something crazy like that. And by the way, twelve was what Swinson predicted or said that was his goal for the season. And I and that's I'd that's, love to see it. That's a really high bar. That's that would be a school record's thirteen, by the way, with Ernest Jones and Nick Reed. So just to throw that out there. And Ernie. by the way, the highest returner is Doorless with four and a half. But nobody, I mean, that's a very low bar, by the way. Yes. I mean, no, nobody. DJ Johnson had three while playing. I don't know, very limited snaps. So it's it's hard I, to really make predictions. I think. Not to go too much down a tangent line here, but I, I think we're going to see a lot of guys in the four to eight range. Yeah, for sacks. That, seems, that seems fair. Like, I'm talking seven or eight guys, kind of in that in that range. I don't think we'll see one guy go over eleven sacks. Oh yeah, no, I don't either. I would be stunned if someone hits double digits. To be honest, maybe not stunned, yeah. but that would really surprise me. And, be, and also, look at what Georgia did last year. That was pretty much across the line. They are not mm -hmm. a team that it was a lot of guys. It was by committee, which is a term we're going to hear a lot at Oregon under Dan Landing. A lot. Yeah. A whole lot. Yeah. I, I, again, like, like Matt just mentioned, if there's anybody, anybody who hits like double digits or gets like above eight, I'd be stunned. Not because, not because there's not enough talent on this team. I just, there's not like a clear pass rusher. There's not a clear, like, you know, Kevin Thibodeau went into the season as the potential number one overall pick. That's a dude who could put up eight to 10 sacks and, and he, he stays healthy, and he didn't. So, you know, is is DJ Johnson a, a guy who could put up eight to ten sacks? Maybe, but that's not like I'm not. I'm, I don't want to push all my chips in on DJ Johnson doing that when you know he's he's someone who's played offense <laughs> the last two years. So, we'll see. I, I but I do think this defense will. It'll. 
I think it'll be better than it was last season in providing pressure on the quarterback. DJ played defense last year pretty much exclusively after the first four games, though. Just to just to kind of I know, but his his still like mix yeah. in time, split time. All right, let's uh, go to season predictions here. I've got Oregon going ten and two. I think they lose week one to Georgia. I think they lose or they win close to BYU, but then string off a bunch of wins until they face Utah in Austin Stadium, and they lose there. And then they close out the regular season with a win on the road at Oregon State. I think Washington's going to be a close game. I think Cal's going to be a close game. BYU are going to be close games. Um, but 10-2, and two, it's what I picked at the beginning of the year. And I think this defense, a reason why I picked 10-2 and two is I just think outside of Utah, I don't think there's going to be another team in – in the conference that comes close to the caliber of defense that, th- that Oregon will play. And I think that's going to be a big factor in what Oregon can do to win football games. I, I I'm all in on this defense being deep and talented. We don't know who the elite pass rusher is, but I think everything else is, is kind of solidified and you feel good as long as they don't get just destroyed by injury like they did last year, which you can't predict. Um, so I, I'm, I'm 10 and two and they're playing in Las Vegas against the Utes for the Pac-12 championship a second time. Do they win that one, Matt? What do you think? No. Okay. Oh, I think it's going to be, I don't know if it's going to be blowout city, but I don't think they, they win, but I will say this. I do think Oregon and Utah both make the college football, uh, new year six or playoff. I think one of those you know, Utah might get into the playoff, but if they don't, I think Oregon will sneak in as an at-large for one of the New Year's Six games. So I'm I went nine and three all offseason. I'm sticking with nine and three, but I'm changing some of the trajectory on this in terms of the the wins and losses. Um, the more I've thought about it, I don't know how I feel about going nine and three with one loss at a neutral, two losses at home, and being eight and one in conference play, I think it more likely that they drop a, a weird road game in conference just kind of feels more likely. So I think they'll lose to Georgia. Um, we will do, by the way, full game predictions and breakdowns starting next week on that. Uh, I don't expect it to be a, a blowout, by the way. I have a score in mind. I'm going to d- dive deep into kind of Georgia's camp and all that stuff because we're so focused on Oregon this week that I haven't gotten got there. I do have a score in mind, and it's not ugly. Like it's, I don't think it's going to be terrible, terrible, terrible. Lose by five scores prediction. Um, that's where that's where my head's at right now. We'll see if that changes over the course of next week. It might. Um, so I have them losing that game. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick that they're gonna beat BYU close. I had them losing to BYU in the off season. I'm gonna move off of that. Um, I think it's really important for them to win that game in terms of setting up the rake the rest of the season. In fact, I think if you started one and two there, it would be tough going into um conference plan actually expecting them to go eight and one i think that would be kind of a reach not to mention the fact that you know you look at byu really successful against the pac 12 last year i don't know i know they beat utah early that was before the quarterback change but the other teams they beat you kind of look at it 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 wasn't an oregon caliber team on the road um and this byu team might be a little bit worse than it was a year ago in terms of who they've lost they lost the running back who by the way is, is one of Marcus Mariota's running backs in Atlanta. I've been picking him a lot in my fantasy football best ball drafts because I think there's a chance he there's a little random fantasy football nugget. Um, so I think they win that game. Uh, I 
think they're going to lose just a weird conference road game. And I'm going to go with Washington State like the week after just because I think Washington State could be sneaky, scary. Jared's putting his thumbs down. You don't think that's well, possible? No, you just stole my stuff. So. Oh, shoot. Well, I didn't yeah. steal it because I didn't know what your stuff was. So you can I know, me. I know, I know. So I went, so I'm, so I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm predicting that they dropped that one. And then there is probably going to be a little bit of like, oh my God, they lost to Georgia. I think they'll beat Eastern Washington pretty handily, but I don't think they'll crush them because that's a team that's picked to, to be potentially competing for the FCS, you know, college football championship or the, their playoff. So that's a good FCS team. So I don't think that's like a ass kicking. Um, I think BYU will be close and then they'll lose to Washington State and people are like four games in, they just haven't, what's going on? And then I think they'll start to really rattle off wins um, before they face Utah at home. And I hate that we may be the consensus here is going to be they lose to Utah at home in that kind of rematch game. But I just have a hard time picking Oregon there. Um, we'll see the way, this, the way this season plays out. I might shift my focus, but you know, Utah kind of handed it to Oregon last year. I understand that the, there was a lot of stuff around it and why that took place and and all of that, but it just it would feel weird to to pick Oregon to win that game, given the fact that I think BYU beat them by what, like a combined forty five seven points million, something like that. Felt like seven yeah. million, but I think it was closer to like forty five points or something like that. So, uh, um, so that's so I'm I have them nine and three, seven and two in conference, and I and I have them also playing in the conference championship game against Utah. Give me a win there, though. They, they redeem themselves in the conference championship in Las nice. Vegas. They finally get out. They don't lose four in a row. They get a win there, and they go and they play in the Rose Bowl against a team that they'll be in the same conference with soon. <laughs> um, I am with Eric here, um, basically 100%. Uh, I have the most of going 9-3. and three. I've lost to Georgia, Utah, and Wazoo. Uh, and I have the same philosophy. I have them losing to Washington State, and then everybody kind of is in turmoil that they're 2-2 two and two after the first four games of the season. And then they just go on and rattle rattle off like six or seven wins and then lose to Utah and then meet them in the Pac-12 championship game and then win and then go to the Rose Bowl and then take on Michigan. Or maybe it's like the 17th matchup against Wisconsin. I don't know. But I have nine and three overall, seven and two in conference. I just think that that's – yeah, I think there's a high point of this team to go ten and two. Um, I really don't see 11 and one. Um, that would require somebody going undefeated in conference play, which has never happened in the Pac-12 because they're silly and play nine conference games, but that I digress. Um, I don't think that this is the team to suddenly break that curse of the Pac-12 conference play. Um, I think it's a really talented team, but um, Oregon fans don't take this, you know, don't take this too, too seriously, but there's a lot of unproven guys on this team. There's a lot of unproven guys on offense. There's a lot of unproven guys on defense too in the secondary. Um, for everything to come together, I can see it. It's an optimistic viewpoint. It's also a brand new coaching staff, and we haven't talked about that too much. But Dan Lanning has never coached a game in his life at the college football level as a head coach. Um, that's a big responsibility. That's a big. It's a big jump from being a defensive coordinator to being a head coach. Uh, I know that he did it at Georgia, which is you know probably if not the highest power that you can do it until you get to a head coach, but. Kenny Dillingham is another guy. This is this is a very young staff. This is a staff that has proven some things, not everything, and now they have to prove it at the highest level. And it's not that I doubt them, but I do think that there's got to be a learning curve here. And maybe that learning curve is Washington State. Maybe that's it. Maybe they find that out, and then they move on, and they continue to succeed. Um, but, yeah, again, on the field, there's still a lot of guys that have to prove something. Um, you know, we went through it with the wide receivers, how there's – 
There's, we'll, we'll go through it in a bit as well. There's not a lot of returning talent. The guys who have played the most amount of games didn't play them at Oregon, except for Chris Hudson. Um, what are we going to see out of two sophomore tight ends? Uh, I, I think the only the only thing you can really bank on is is the offensive line, which means you can probably bank on the running back because the offensive line is good, um, which is a good start. But there's just you know there's a lot of uncertainty there. But I do think that this team is certainly capable of nine and three. I think at worst eight and four. Um, I think they're too talented to not win to not win nine games. Um, but I don't I, the ten and two thing. I think it's going to be hard for me to, to picture that. I think. Losses to Georgia and Utah would be it, but I think that Washington State game is going to trip somebody up. And by the way, it was fifty-nine points, not forty-five, that Oregon lost to Utah in the combined games. Just to correct, closer that, to that. seven million. Closer to seven million, but uh-huh. well, still, if I guess if we were, yeah, <laughs> closer closer to forty-five than seven million. But I guess if we were using prices rights rules, then yeah, closer to seven. Million. Always use prices right rules. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back. Uh, Jared's going to explain this game that we're going to play throughout the season of it's kind of a version of stock up, stock down. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, welcome back to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Uh, season is right around the corner. Hey, at this time, you could be listening to the podcast today. Uh, this time next week, you could be starting up the grill, watching you know, watching college football. It, it's here. Uh, college football will be played later today or has been played later today, When depending on when you listen to this show. Week zero is here. Uh, but to kick things off for the season, Jared's going to explain this this new format that we're doing of kind of a stock up, stock down on guys that, that we like during the college football season. All righty. Uh, everybody, hello, and welcome to Duckfolio. That's what I'm calling it from now <laughs> nice. on, or Duck Market, whatever you guys want. Um, if you guys have a suggestion for this stock game, you know, put one in the comment. Eric? Is it a sports folio? The Duck sports folio? That way we're using portfolio with the rhyme of sports in there? 
All right, we could do that, Doug's Sportsfolio. Again, can, if anybody has I can tell you don't like it. I can tell you hated it when I said it. I was like, <laughs> all right, maybe it's not a good idea. It's early. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little early in the day. Um, again, suggestions, throw them in the comments. So basically, um, I took this idea from the Ryan Rosillo podcast. I don't know if any of you, any of you guys listen to it. Eric, I know you, you listen to it. But they do a quarterback stock market game where they like take the, the QBRs of a, of a quarterback and divide it by 100 and – and that's like, uh, and that's the, the the price per share for each of these quarterbacks. And then they have a certain amount of fake money that they put into. It. So I did the same thing with the with the Oregon roster. Um, I took basically all of their statistics. So receivers were catches or receptions, yards, touchdowns, uh, games played, and then divided that by a hundred, which gives you the price per share of each player. So I'll link this in the podcast description that we post on Duck Territory, but I made a Google Sheets page of it. So, for example, Chris Hudson's price per share is $5.28. That's because he had 35 catches for 456 yards, two touchdowns in 30 game, 35 games played. Add that all up, divide by 100, $5.28 a share. So all of us were allocated 500 fake dollars, and we were – able to pick as many players as we wanted, as few players as we wanted. We just had to use the $500 up. So that's our game. I think we're going to try to check in like every three, four, five weeks uh, during the season just to see what the stock is. Um, since all of us have $500, we'll either go up from there or down from there. Um, basically, the algorithm is like even if a player just gets into a game, like let's say uh, Kyler Casper gets into the first three games of the season, like his stock price will go up. But it really only goes up once there's production. So if he plays three games, his stock price will barely jump. But if he plays three games and has 15 catches for 150 yards and three touchdowns, um, then his stock price is going to explode. So that's the point of the game. We want to see who who wins the, or who earns the most amount of fake money. Uh, so which you guys wants to start? I want to hear how Matt divvied up 20 guys. He did 20, he did 20 players. <laughs> yeah. So I want to hear how this went. I'd like yeah. to hear that as well. All right. So my, my strategy was that investing, you're, you're never supposed to have one stock or one player, you know, everything invested in that one player. Cause if it tanks, right. You're covered. Eggs uh, basket. So I, yes. So I went 5% across the board. Uh, that gave me 20 guys. 25 players or $25 per player. And I, that's how I did it. I've got some like Bo Nix. I bought Bo Nix, just 1.9 shares of, of Bo Nix. Um, a little bit. Ooh, split but stocks. I've okay. split stocks. I mean, I didn't know what to do because of, I mean, you've got, you've got 5.28 per share for Chris Hudson. So I wasn't sure if we we're supposed to round up, round down. So I just, I, did it straight way. Um, I can adjust this afterwards, but I, did the, same, the I did the same thing, Matt. I did the same thing. I just did $50, $25 increments. I didn't try to make the shares okay. like finite. So we're in the same boat. Uh, so I, I bought 4.7 shares of Chris Hudson, 13.1 shares of Dante Thornton, 10.4 shares of Troy Franklin, 25.2 shares of Seven McGee, 33.33 shares of Kyler Casper. Like I said, 1.9 of Nick's. Running back was a little surprising. Uh, Bucky only got 2.9, Cardwell 5, and Whittington 3.1. But then Jordan James, 33.3. Got a lot of uh, that. I went all in on him helping out the team on, on, on offense. 
there's a couple of risks here, but if I, if even one hits, I'm going to be raking penny in the stocks, money. baby. Penny stocks. Yeah. And then defensively, I went 10 guys as well. Uh, Gonzo at 5.8, Sewell at 2.9. I think DJ Johnson's a steal at 11.5. Dorless even feels like a steal getting 7.22 shares. Bennett Williams, four and a half shares. And then maybe the biggest value of the entire thing here, the exercise, Justin Flo. I was ding, ding, really ding. surprised. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I was really surprised by his his price. Uh, real quick, 0.76 per share. I mean, 76 cents on the dollar is essentially crazy. Mm-hmm. So I bought I bought 32.8 of those uh, shares of Justin Flo. And then Jeffrey yeah. Bossa, Jamal Hill, Michael Bridges, and then Jordan Riley, 28.4. Um, really banking on him making an impact. So I am assuming you guys went all in on flow here. Um, <laughs> and that might be what separates us, but if he doesn't hit, I, I feel like I've got some other options that could help me here. I, 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 so, well, I, 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 go ahead, Jared. Sorry. I was going to quickly explain like why flow is so low. It's just because he doesn't have any, you know, like actual, he's a, he's a vol- volatile stock. He's only played right. two games in his career. It's a huge risk. So if I'm assuming Eric did what I did and we kind of put a lot of shares into Justin flow, if that cashes out, good for us. But um, if he, you know, knock on wood, if he's hurt for another season, um, then you, you know, you're going to lose almost all your money. So that's, you know, it's like, it's somewhat similar to how the actual market works, but I just wanted to explain that. So it's not like we're devaluing him to make us sure. look good. We're, we, we're sure. going to look good. But it's not because I chose for us to look good. It's just kind of how it works. But Eric, go ahead. I was just gonna say I almost looked at this and said five hundred dollars in Justin Flow. I thought about it. I thought about it. Instead, I won one hundred and fifty. So I did. I did. Ooh, I did about lame. over I did about, just under a third of my all my shares on Justin Flow. So I have one hundred ninety-seven point four shares of Justin Flow stock. <laughs> so Excellent. I'm I am all in on Justin Flow. At I, I looked at this the spreadsheet and went, holy cow! Another player that had really good value. I thought was Seven McGee. Um, mm-hmm. So I put fifty. $50 on him, so I have 50.5 shares of Seven McGee. Um, offensively, I'll just run through it. I already said flow on defense. That's most of my defensive. Ele- I did 250 on offense, 250 on defense is how I ended up splitting it. Uh, I didn't okay. go any money on quarterbacks. Um, no, not one. A, because I thought Ty and Jay are – that's a total loss. I guess if they got into a game and played a really – using your stats, I guess they could get into a game and have like two touchdowns in crunch time or like in, in mop-up time. And that would shoot up their QBR yep. and actually make them a value. But I just feel like that seems kind of who knows what's going to happen. Like Ty Thompson last year wasn't great after his first game he played. So I went away from the quarterbacks. I didn't touch them. Um, running backs, I went with twenty uh, $75 to Noah Whittington. At, and he's at 9.42 shares. Um, and that was the only running back I put any money on. Uh, I, I decided to go basically all in on my Whittington which is probably a little bit dangerous because I think it could be by committee, but I decided, shoot, let's go for it. I, I initially had a bunch of money on Sean Dollar's stock at 1.42 mm. per share, but I decided to put that on some receivers. So I also put, this is what I did with receiver. I went, like I mentioned earlier, I went uh, $50 on 7 McGee at 0.99 per share. I put $50 on Troy Franklin at 2.39 per share. So that's 20.9 shares of Troy Franklin. And I put $25 on and into some Dante Thornton 
at 1.9 per share. So I have 13 shares of Thornton, 21 shares of Franklin, and 50.5 shares of Seven McGee. And then the one I I actually started this at $100 of Terrence Ferguson because I thought at 1.72 per, that's a mm -hmm. really great deal. But I backed it off to $50. Um, so I have 29 shares of Terrence Ferguson because I really think I really think he's could sneaky be a really, really good productive player offensively. I think the tight end's gonna be utilized quite a bit more, and he is without question in my mind the best receiving tight end. So I could see him having some pretty special stats this season. So I thought getting him at less than $2 per share felt pretty, pretty decent for me. Um, and then on defense, I've already mentioned my Justin flow, uh, almost all in strategy of Justin flow. Uh, again, I have 197.4 shares of Justin flow. So I have almost all the Justin flow share. Um, and then I went with $50 on, on some DJ Johnson stock at 216 per share. Felt like that was a pretty good value. And then I want $50 um, in some Brandon Doralist stock at 3.46 per share. I looked at Christian Gonzalez. He's my defensive MVP. And I thought, man, I don't know if the production is going to be there to, to make sense of it because I just think there's a chance that that guy, uh, that that guy doesn't get a lot of stats, like I said earlier, because I don't know if he's going to be thrown at very often. So I, I moved off right. of Christian Gonzalez despite loving the player. So that's where I landed. I bet on eight guys. Most of it went to flow, and then the rest of it was basically fifty or, or twenty five dollars. Very nice. I went. Uh, I bought by shares, so I oh. bought like X amount of shares of persons, and I just deducted it from my total. Um, I bought two hundred shares of Justin Flow. That was my first person. <clears throat> uh, it was one hundred and fifty two dollars at seventy six cents a share. Yeah, you, you have just a little more than I do. You have. I, I do. Yeah. You have, I have three more, more shares. Yeah, you have three yeah. more shares than I do. So I think three. Um, yeah. I guess I'll do defense first. I got 10 shares of Bennett Williams. Uh, I think if Bennett Williams is fully healthy uh, for the season, he's just going to produce a lot. Um, he was already very good last year in a short amount of time. Uh, that was at $5.54 a share. So it's 10 shares. So it's $55.40. I, um, I, I picked most of my defense other than flow or just like consistent dudes. Guys who are, you know, like like you know, Amazon or Ford, just consistent stocks that I don't really have to worry about, who I know if they're healthy will provide production. Uh, let's see, Brandon Dorless at three dollars and forty-six cents a share. Uh, I and I bought 10 shares of him. I anticipated that he's gonna have a higher production season. His stock price is pretty low because he plays a position that doesn't have a lot of production. But if he's playing outside or more on the edge this season, I think he's going to, you know, just wrap up more people, get a couple more sacks, maybe and up that up that share. Maybe not a ton, maybe not a gigantic boom like Justin Flo potentially, but somebody who could probably, you know, solidify that stock price a good bit. Um, and then I went 10 shares of Christian Gonzalez to finish out the defense at $4.24 a share. That's $42.40, a total purchase. I like him. I think I understand, Eric. I think I know you're, what you're trying to say is that they're just going to go away from him. Um, I think he's just going to play everywhere. I think that he's that Oregon's going to utilize how good he is and try to match him up with whatever the case may be. Um, you know, he's got actually pretty good numbers despite only playing two seasons of college football already. Um, I think this will be his basically his breakout party, even though there are some scouts and football services that are already seeing this and already putting him in mock drafts and things like that. But I think he's going to solidify all of that this year. Uh, let's go to the offense. 50 shares of Terrence Ferguson for $86 at $1.72 a share. 
Um, I just really think that Terrence Ferguson is going to do something in this offense. I think he was extremely underutilized last year, and I think he will be extremely utilized this year. 35 shares of 7 McGee at 99 cents on the dollar. Um, 50 shares of Dante Thornton for $95, and that uh, kills my $500. Just like so, that, seven dudes. So nobody bought Noah Sulstock. Nope, too high. Yeah, too high. I thought the same thing, unfortunately. Even though I think that stock's probably. I bought gonna... Sewell stock. You bought some Sewell. I missed that. How much did you I buy? I have two point nine shares. Okay, you got mm. just a little bit of Noah Sewell. Just got <laughs> a little, little bit of, of hair. <laughs> okay, you're the only one who has that. And then, uh, yeah, I didn't. You didn't pick a running. You didn't buy any running back stock, Jared. I think that's nah, probably, too high. That's probably pretty wise, just because I think it's hard to know where it's going to go. Unless you Jordan James stock might have been just a sneaky kind of big picture buy, but I I decided to. There's just a Twitter. chance that Jordan James doesn't see the field. Because he's got right. like three guys wait, like three or four right. guys ahead of him. Yep. So, and there's also a chance that he's like the kickoff return guy, or right. so. Oh, yeah. How does that factor in? Are we using return yards at all? No. Oh, so to clarify, I only use what their primary positions are this season. Sure. Like all of seven sure. McGee's running back stats, I didn't put into it. So that's why he's 99 cents a share is because his right. receiving stats were X. That's why DJ Johnson's were X as well. Um, so just just their primary positions for 2022. But if there is a big positional change, I'll, I can fix that. And I'd also like to add, I, I'm disappointed there wasn't a specialist's column here. I would have liked <laughs> to have a little bit of Adam. You want to buy Camden Lewis stock? No, I wanted to buy some Adam no, Barry I'd stock. No, I'd short my Camden Lewis stock. <laughs> no, I'd want to buy some Adam Barry stock. Adam Barry stock, yeah. I'd, I'd I don't know. Adam if, Barry. I don't even know how I would do that. Yeah, I, I, I genuinely have no idea. Maybe like kicks over 45 yards just a, a dollar to your stock price i don't know but i i think uh i will continue to update this throughout the season we'll we'll see how much money we earn or how much money we lose during the, during the year um i think that'll be pretty fun but again I'll, I'll i'll link my google sheets uh pages into the bottom of the podcast description once this is posted so i think it, i think it should be a fun one and I also think we should uh, make this content on sometime this weekend of writing out the share stuff. Probably not going too heavy in depth in all the choices because Matt would be writing for an hour with his twenty, with his twenty, yeah. with his twenty selections. But but just to kind of put what we bought so people have it on on the record or written somewhere as opposed to just hearing us yammer sure. on here for the. Last, I don't know how good of podcasting us yammering on about how much money or fake money we're spending was. But I think it does. What it does convey is kind of where our confidence is, and kind of which guys we think could break out that maybe don't have a whole lot of statistical, at least, um, production to this point. Okay. All right, it's gonna do it for us here on the Austin awesome Audible's podcast. This prediction and stock stonks. Do we want to call it stonks? Stonks. That's the joke. With no, that's no. The joke here. We gotta uh, we gotta figure out a real name for it eventually. Yeah, we'll we'll have a name hopefully by the time we bring this back up again because it's gonna be like a, it's not gonna be a daily a weekly thing. I don't I don't believe we're gonna let no. it develop some data and then go back, maybe every other week or maybe th every three weeks we'll we'll figure that out. But hopefully we have a name by the time we bring it back on the show. But until then, keep listening to the Austin Audible's podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. 
So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Greetings, Fantasy Warriors. I'm Heath Cummings, your guide to fantasy dominance on FFT Dynasty. Join me this offseason where mock drafts become epic showdowns and every pick shapes your legacy. If, if I was Adam, with the team that he's built, Will Levis makes so much more sense. And that's not all. We're peeling back the curtain on the future with our exclusive 2024 NFL Draft Prospect Profiles. Uncover hidden gems that'll elevate your roster to legendary status. Puka Nakua. After Cooper Cup, we really have no idea who's going to get the targets. Keaton Mitchell of East Carolina. Explosive speed is ridiculous. This isn't just a podcast. It's a playbook for champions. Subscribe to FFT Dynasty now, and together, we'll conquer the fantasy football frontier. Your dynasty journey starts here.